0: Welcome to Sustainable Sessions, hosted by yours truly, Lucas and Lauren. episode twelve, featuring Carissa and Coffee.
1: My name's Carissa. I'm 26, and I live on the island of Oahu in the state of Hawaii. Um, I'm originally from Arizona, and I've been living here for a handful of years. And um, I like talking about sustainability. <laughs> awesome.
2: Great. So. Um, obviously you are involved in quite a few things can you tell us a little bit why uh you chose to focus on sustainability and why that's become like a focus of your niche at least when you TikTok talking instagram channels and like why you're so interested and passionate about it
1: yeah i mean i think that when i got into like the later years of college and started learning about um i was studying like marine science but towards the end of the years they started focusing on all the conservation issues that are in the ocean. And it became really clear that all of that's kind of stemmed to to human behavior. And then I discovered um, Lauren Singer, Trashes for Tossers when I was a senior in college. And I, I saw that she was living a a zero waste lifestyle. And I, I kind of started her blog and learning all about it. And um, it just became, it was just so much more empowering to know that, you could make like an individual, um, you could take a step towards a solution as an individual, even though in class I'm learning about these like huge problems that seem like so hard to solve. It was, it was more, I guess, attractive to break down the problem to be like an actual tangible actionable step that we could take. So I think that's why I became so passionate about it. And then when I moved here, everyone here is really environmentally minded and that's not how it was where I came from and it felt like I was like in a community that also cared and it made it a lot easier.
0: How was the moving process and like it must have been just such a culture shock in sort of sense kind of moving from um, Arizona to Hawaii so maybe you want to touch on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, um well okay so I moved out here for to start my master's degree so to for graduate school so I had like some structure so I, there was like a deadline that I had to be out here before but um I had never visited like I had never vacationed here I had never done any of that and um I move I live on Oahu which is the most like city like island so we have the most people here maybe about a million and so everyone said like, oh, you're going to get island fever. There's not enough, there's not enough people, but it it hasn't happened and it's been years. So I don't think it will.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So, and just to kind of build on that too, um, obviously you have a big interest in endangered species and not to kind of shift too much back and forth, but um, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of like what that experience has been like, whether it was uh, with your time spent in Arizona or Hawaii and like kind of where has your thought process evolved like on endangered species and
1: yeah so um and don't worry about going back and forth i hope one day i can like coincide all of it like with social media platforms and with my my day job but um i joined a club because i wanted extracurriculars and it was a marine conservation club in undergraduate and they were working with um, an endangered species called the vaquita, um, which at the time had about 200 individuals left in its population, and right now it's about less than 30. Um, so that was a long time ago, and that was like really on. That, that's an example of a species that's really on the brink of extinction, and I really felt like it was um, it was sad, but it was also really easy to talk to people about it. And I really, since then, I've. I didn't even plan on staying with endangered species. It's just kind of what my original experience was. And then there was always another species where I went. And so right now um, I'm working with an organization that works with a handful of marine life, but we mainly focus on the endangered Hawaiian monk seal. And it only exists in Hawaii and there's um, about 1400 left. So um, not as small as the vaquitas population, but yeah. And then I also have a huge, my favorite, marine animals and orca, and I have a huge passion for the endangered southern resident killer whales up um, off the Pacific Northwest coasts. So I think that it kind of happened by accident, but I, I really like it, so I don't think I'll leave.
2: <laughs>
0: wow, um, and maybe if you want to speak a little bit more, like what's kind of your role in the organization, and like maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so we're really, we're pretty small,
1: we're a small non-profit so um, I think we only have about seven or eight staff members at a time and so I was hired to just kind of support in the field which would be like response, um, field response in the context of endangered species in Hawaii is kind of like you go, you try to ID the animal because with um, small populations you want to, there's a identification method usually and then talk to people about it, kind of get them inspired, teach them how to do some stewardship actions. But my role has really changed over the years because I've been with them a little bit and I I write, I try to get us funding. I do our social media, um, website stuff, video editing. But then I also, um, and I guess I didn't mention this, but when I, I started with that club back in undergrad, I was focused on conservation education. And so, I was taken on originally to handle conservation education for the organization. Cause that's kind of what all my experience is in. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do on social media too is use like all these different mediums to teach people of all different backgrounds, all different ages kind of about the ocean. So right now I do um, with preschool all the way to college. And I guess not right now cause of COVID but we're trying to use some virtual tools at our disposal to, to get people excited. That's awesome. So I think that when you're in a small nonprofit, you kind of do a little bit of
2: everything. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that that's really great to hear. And it sounds like, again, you're, you're so passionate about it and you're, you're so involved and like it's really amplified as time's gone on. You spent more time with the organization. Um, I think that's like honestly a great segue to kind of ask you some questions about social media. So obviously, yeah. like the influencer on TikTok and Instagram. Um What's that experience been like for you to join the TikTok platform? Like kind of, how did you get involved in it? Um, and what has it been like with respect to putting out content just for that? And like, I know like we talk about it with some other people we've had in our podcast, but like TikTok is definitely geared towards the Gen Z and upcoming generation. And obviously you're saying that you work with, you know, preschool up to grade 12, um, yeah. you've, like obviously you've had some great traction. What's that experience been like with you using TikTok, um, to talk about these, uh, these topics.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of a funny story. So when I first graduated graduate school, before I, I got this job with the conservation organization, I, I taught, um, seventh, eighth and ninth graders at a like kind of a homeschool academy and they, they were on TikTok and they were always talking about it. And I was like, what is this new app? I, I, I was just trying to relate to them and they kind of taught me about the app. They are like, you should get on this. And I never did. I never listened to them, but I should have, because I think that was right when it, first got a lot of traction in the US. And then um, I started, I actually started playing on it just a few months ago uh, when we were all in quarantine here. And I think that just like one video went viral. And I think I got like like 40,000 followers overnight. It was the craziest thing that had ever happened. I, I, I remember my boyfriend was like this, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but, um, and since then it's only been, I think about, a few, like five or six weeks and um I was like okay I, I guess with with this following now I can just start talking about the ocean and so it, it's kind of been really a whirlwind and I also like super used to Instagram and so I'm still adjusting and figuring it out I mean I had worked with I worked with brands and companies on Instagram and stuff too but even with TikTok it's, it's just a little bit different and so um I think right now I'm trying to focus on wrapping my head around it and like what it means and what exactly I want to do with it like I, I think I know what I want to do with it but I also really value the creative freedom that it brings like outside of Instagram and like I really love that you can um, you can watch videos of any of your interests because the algorithm's so sensitive that you can I could be watching a video on politics and then a video on financial advisement and then sustainability and so I I, it's kind of been a little bit mind-blowing of a journey I would say as it just happened.
0: No that's so awesome and I, I definitely feel that as well too like there's always like new things to learn and I feel like how creators are showing and teaching content is just becoming a lot more creative um, and I guess kind of to chat a little bit too about other eco creators have you met any other kind of eco creators and what's been kind of being in that community been like for you yeah it's
1: also really funny so I <laughs> found eco talk um I are you guys familiar with that uh handle it's um I think it's, it's a collaboration of uh eco influencers on tiktok that are sharing videos so like <laughs> the day after I went viral I messaged them and I was like hi <laughs> um I would love to to Submit some videos, and um, I got put in this awesome group message of all of the um, sustainability and environmentally minded um, creators on TikTok, and it's amazing. I I have so many notifications all the time, but I I love like going through them and people. It's just it's nice to feel um to feel like you're not alone with all of the messaging that you're trying to share, and there and I there's you know it's really it's so inspiring how much momentum there is on tiktok for sustainability like so much more than i've ever experienced anywhere else like in classrooms in communities in on instagram on youtube it's skyrocketed on tiktok so um there's just a lot of potential but i i think i'm yeah i'm forming friendships with all of them and i i'm starting to i I hope that we can like work together in the future too (laughs) Awesome, for
2: sure. It's such a crazy experience, and like even like us too. Like we started getting on TikTok, same kind of thing. Like right when quarantine was picking up, and then it's just like like you said, the the algorithm is just so sensitive. If you just watch some content, like your feed just gets killed with a lot of that. And it's like again, so if you really like some of these topics, you're just gonna get bombarded with so much great content. And I think what I really like about it too is that like the content itself is so like organic and real. Like compared to Instagram, like people will spend more time like oh is this the perfect edit for this picture or whatever that's going out whereas tiktok it's like it that almost is like too much and you won't get success if you like overdo it like it it needs to be like a very true real uh type of content when you're teaching kids and even when you're learning for yourself on the topic whether it's endangered species or sustainable living um where do you tend to source a lot of your information from like do you have any like types of books or articles or sources you like to read um is there any like particular accounts that you like to focus on and, and kind of what do you recommend for any of the listeners that are trying to learn more about any of these topics and, and how they can kind of source this information?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I think resources are so important. Um, so when I'm teaching kids and like in my day job and even on Instagram, like I've just had this information for so long that I, I feel like I, I f- fall back on the same messages. Whereas with TikTok because so many people are so passionate about it on there, I'm learning new things like every single day, which is uh, crazy because it's actually becoming one of the resources for me. But I would say that um, because I have a scientific background, I really do try to source all of my information like in primary publications, which is super dense and I wouldn't suggest people trying to sift through it. But um, there are like legitimate sources. I feel like I have a handful of like sustainability um, uh, influencers or, me- or people on my social media space that I try to uh, keep up with because I care about like their thoughts and opinions but as far as like actual climate facts and, and scientific facts I would say um, either a primary source or even a secondary source summarizing that so like um, for example there was some statistics coming out that are published in the IPCC so um, that'll that's telling us like, oh, are we gonna get like two degrees warming by the end of the century? Like that would be like the primary source for something like that. Um, it takes a lot of time to do that, which is why I think social media is such a good tool because people can summarize it um, in like a shareable graphic or things like that. But then you have the element of like, is it sourced correctly? So um, I would say for fun, I like to read like blogs from like Trashes for Tossers or, or companies that um, also have blogs. Or, um, I have, and then on my day to day, I have like, fo- I follow accounts that share climate facts. And then if I see something super interesting, I'm going to follow up on that and see what the source is and look it up if, when I have the time, you know? So there's a lot of different avenues you could take, but for people looking for it, I would say like, I, I try to be really intentional with like the content that I consume. And so if you want to like learn more about the environment, then make sure that that's the content that you're taking in because it can really, I think um, it can change your mood and your uh, like mental state if you're consuming negative content or positive content.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I actually have a, um, a few questions too, because your background is in a lot of like the sciences and stuff. Were there any like really cool kind of courses that you took? And if there, if there was like, was there one kind of like takeaway that like really inspired you or really kind of like helped motivating you to like pursue this type of ed- education?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question too because um, when you when you major in a scientific uh, for undergrad, it c- you have to go through all of these weed out courses that can be really challenging. And it was so hard for me um, to like see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, for if anyone's listening that is is in that state, just know that when you get to your upper division courses, it's so much more rewarding. And I learned like so much more in that. Um, I would say that my most memorable course was um, I got study abroad which was awesome for a marine biology course in the galapagos which was incredible i also took a lot of marine conservation courses like at the college that were just small and like i was going from like a 300 person lecture to 15 people all discussing solutions for sustainable seafood so my takeaway for that would be to 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 don't get bogged down by like the chemistry prerequisites that you have to take and just kind of know that there's that the things that you're passionate about that you want to study, you're gonna be able to take courses in that and those are gonna be amazing.
0: Just another quick follow up question because I actually we're actually Ecuadorian. So our, our my mom is from <gasps> I'm Ecuadorian. We my <laughs> family lives in Quito. My mom's from Quito as well. We have some family? Have you been? I went when I was younger, like in grade three, and my brother went when he was um, a baby, but I actually just had two friends that traveled to the Galapagos, and they were telling me that it's like closing down for tourism just because like so much stuff is getting like polluted and stuff, so I was just curious to hear more about like your relation to Ecuador, like how it was studying abroad, and like it just hits home for us as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Small I, I
1: <laughs> yeah um my dad's whole my, my dad's uh whole family lives here but they were all born or most of them were born in Ecuador and their extended family lives there so we went back like a handful of times growing up but when I went which was 2015 I think um it was very the, the economy is very based in tourism and so it makes sense that it would close down because like that's what's happening here in Hawaii so um I think that I did see that there was like some heavy offshore fishing pressure that was going on in the Galapagos that might've contributed to it, but I'm not sure. But, um, that whole economy is really funded by people visiting. And if they can't visit, it would make sense why they would close down. I want to go again, um, with my partner, like now that I'm a little bit older and we haven't been back since, but I, I would really suggest anyone going there. It's, it's like pristine. It was like my first time being in like, the closest thing to a pristine habitat that I'd ever been in and um yeah it was it was incredible. (laughs) No and I heard
0: they have like really cool kind of like sustainability things even for tourism like there's no plastic cutlery or anything like you have to be really good with like putting stuff away and then they're trying to also conserve like a lot of like species and animals that are going extinct in that area so it was interesting to hear like some of my friends share their experiences but then also for you as well. Yeah I mean I think that because their
1: economy is so and this is an um like a rationale that we use here too like because Mm -hmm. their economy is so supported by tourism people are coming to see those animals and so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of support for conservation measures of like the Galapagos tortoise or or the sea lions because um they want to preserve them so that they can also preserve their economic livelihoods so when people I think start tying in like the natural landscape with economics is when I think we're gonna see a lot uh, bigger change for uh, environmental initiatives and things like that.
0: Awesome. <laughs>
1: I can't yeah. believe we're all Ecuadorian. <laughs> okay.
2: What would you kind of recommend to younger people that are watching this right now, or maybe even older ones too, like how they can get involved and, and what some steps they can take? Maybe it's not necessarily starting a business, but just kind of some organizations that they might want to uh, look at and consider for volunteering purposes or anything like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there are so many different things that you can do to be involved in helping the environment and the planet that you don't have to be a scientist. And I think that I thought that there was only a couple routes, but as things have opened up, there are so many different things you can do. And so my advice that I wish I had been told was that you you can start as early as you want. I have friends who, you know, started volunteering at aquariums um, when they were in middle school. You can start as early as you want. um, And also you want to try everything because like people will often say like, oh, I want to study environmental science or or marine science. But there are so many different niches in every, um, in that field that you don't really know what you like until you try it out. And so I did like, an internship at a zoo and then I did an internship at like a planetarium and and, that, and I know I took some stuff away from each one and I, I'm grateful for all the experiences but like each each one taught me like what I wanted to end up doing and I had found out that I like talking to people and I like talking to kids and um so try everything start early and then if you do know where you want to end up like keep your eyes on the prize for that because it's their opportunities will start popping up and you have to take them because it's, it can be a competitive field. And so um, I also think that even if you want to start a clothing line or something, you can still help the ocean. It doesn't have to be what this box that I think we used to think environmental um, conservation used to be in, like everybody can help. And it doesn't matter if what you end up doing for your day job isn't saving animals, you can still help the ocean with your business practices, with what you guys are doing right now with the podcast, like everybody can do something. So um, just know that there's a lot of options out there and you want to do what makes you happy, right, so that it doesn't feel like work. And so I would say follow that too.
0: That's awesome. Um, maybe can you like share one of your experiences of like volunteering at, I guess you were, you said the zoo or like an aquarium, maybe like share either a story, like your experience or like what you took away from that, that whole thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, like from one of my internships or volunteer positions. Okay. Um, when I first moved here, um, I started working at a lab that focuses on, um, Uh, when dolphins pass away, and what causes that, and I think I remember be like, feeling like, oh my gosh, like, I've always wanted to work with these animals, Um, they were, they were already passed away, but I was, like, Lisa's is still helping with science, and things like that, and I remember um, one time we were, we were doing a necropsy, which is where you sample the, um, like, kind of the organs of the animal to try to figure out if something's wrong with them, and I found, like, like a like a piece of plastic and I was just like but it wasn't like it was like a lot of it it was not um not a negligible amount not not microplastics and I remember sitting there and I was like people don't even know that these animals have this like in their stomach Or, or they they do know but I'm like holding it right now it's it's not like this far away thing and when I was growing up um it was it seemed like the climate change and all of this was something that my kids or my grandkids were gonna have to deal with but it's not it's it's right now and I I remember it was like my first year in graduate school I had like just moved here I was still adjusting and I was like I'm it it, it helped reinforce that I was doing the right thing for like my journey and I remember thinking like people need to know exactly how to stop getting this stuff in the ocean so that it stops getting this stuff in these animals so that we can like have a healthier planet. And connecting all of those dots, I think is, is really key for people um, like in the general public and for kids who are growing up. And I would say that that was probably one of the best, I mean, it was sad, but it was one of the more like monumental memorable moments that I had from one of my volunteering positions. And um, definitely one I still take with me. And I mean, I'm talking about it now, so I haven't forgotten it at all. <laughs>
0: Wow. I got chills there for a second. I know. It's crazy
1: because, and, and I, I posted something on my TikTok this week, but it was just like, we're finding like mass in the ocean now. And like, you, you want to, you have to be mindful that there's no away and that when you throw things away, they, they can end up other places. And so just kind of sharing that and having people understand, I think is, um, is probably one of the best tools we can provide people.
2: Yeah, I think that's so true, and I think exactly what you said, too. I think a lot of people have this mentality that it is far away, and because, you know, they might be in a more urban community or whether it's, like, residential land or anything like that, like, they're just so used to, like, okay, I'm just going to put my stuff curbside and I never have to worry about it again. And then Mm -hmm. now, like, I think, obviously, you have a big passion in in endangered species and and specifically marine life, but I think it's – For people that are kind of interested in it having a a volunteer experience like that or just having something more hands-on you're like oh my god like it's not just a video on my phone like this is like right in front of me and it just it helps them really connect with the problem on a much more deep deep level um i mean like i know my sister and i um when we first started this brand we used to do like trash pickups around like our community and like i think we always had this mentality like we live in a pretty clean place and like it, it granted it definitely is but like then we'd stop and like look at some corners and it's like when you start to like look for stuff you really realize like oh my god like there's garbage literally everywhere and it, it just started clicking with us like even in a community that we think is so clean like there, there's problems literally everywhere and we always try to encourage young people that even if you want to start making an impact whether it's through volunteering like start with your home and and whether it's in your own actual home and your own personal life, and then, you know, it expands to your families and friends and then your local community. But like, there's so much that can be done and it, it just, it's crazy when you really start to look for it, how quickly you start noticing stuff.
1: Yeah. Like you doing hands-on work. Like I I feel like that's really important to getting hands-on experience because then you walk away from that task or, or whatever you were doing, feeling like, okay, I just helped. And that, um, can help be inspiring for people when it feels like they don't want to keep going on with conservation and stuff like that. And so, yeah, definitely start at home, start small, just know that every small step is making a difference. You know, I, I, I definitely see that that's important. And also, I mean, I would love to go travel to the places that, you know, don't have the waste management infrastructure that we're so lucky and privileged to have, because, um, Cause I live in a really clean community too, and, and I sometimes think the same thing, like, oh, I should just go to the beach on the other side of the island to clean today, but, um, but knowing where it's actually going is, I think, would be really eye-opening, and so I hope to eventually travel those places and, and maybe photograph it or something like that.
0: Well, Lucas and I actually did um, a plant tour at our uh, management recycling facility, and it was just insane to see the scale at which there's so much trash. I think it's the biggest one in all of North America and it's pretty close to us in Ontario. Um, But it was just insane to see like all that trash. But then also knowing that there's equipment that's kind of sorting and like moving things out. Like we know the solutions are there and the technology is there. It's just a matter of us like putting things and sorting it properly. And that all starts with the individual. So that's something that we try to emphasize with our content as well
1: yeah individual choice is so important and it's it's hard because i I get a lot of people on tiktok that are like it's not it's not the individuals it's really the big corporations which it's true but we can all be part of helping right and if we focus on that i think we'll feel like we can go longer with um all of our actions and and things like that
2: for sure and like i i just was skipping through some of your content before this too and like i know you really like since you've started to like where you're at now like you you really are very close to like let's say the zero waste like true like absolute sustainability lifestyle but it's always like a growth and like how you kind of got there for people that are kind of just starting out on their sustainable journey whether they're like small and and maybe like they might be in a family or a setting where their friends and coworkers whatever don't necessarily think the same way that they do. And it might be hard for them to kind of make those changes and take those first steps. Like what do you, re- like what worked for you and for young people, just starting out their, uh, their personal sustainable journeys.
1: That's, that's an awesome question. So I would say that don't like be so hard on yourself. Um, cause we do live in a, a system that ha- that generates a lot of waste and, um, we can't always step out of that system. And I was really hard on myself at first. I was really attached to the zero and zero waste, which is not even attainable. And, um, and what you want to do. And, and I say this with people like with their diet too, if it's much better to take a small step that you can maintain for a long time than just to go really hard at the beginning and burn out and then just be like, I can't do any of this and so if you are trying to cut out plastic like start with a certain um start with one item or start with one room in your house or start with one topic that you want to learn about because there's there's so much to learn about and it can be overwhelming if you don't like take care of yourself in the process so what worked for me was um started with my bathroom and um, i would say that I'm i'm I feel really confident about the low waste in my bathroom now, but, um, something I could do better on is I want to get better at making a lot of my own food so that I'm not purchasing so much, um, packaged food or frozen food. And like, so I'm still, I'm still getting better. And, and I think that everybody for their whole life will continue to find one more thing that they're doing or like, and one thing that really stuck out to me, what I think I heard it over on Instagram was, um, if you can, if you have something that's really important to you, like, say it's, like, art, um, don't focus on that, right? Don't, like, cut out all the plastic with art, because that brings you so much joy, and so just focus on the things that are easy, like, um, bringing cutlery with you if you're going to get takeout, or, like, for example, like, me and um, my partner, we like to go get takeout from, like, a food truck. Well, I'm not gonna stop getting that. Um, Luckily, they have, like, paper um, packaging, but I'm just going to try my best with what I can when I go there because that's like something that's really important to me so I would stay, start with the things that don't seem like they're such a sacrifice seem like there's something fun to and, and try to keep it get be patient with yourself and, and try to um, start small for the long haul instead of do it all at once
0: I think that's a huge point to bring up as well because I even find just like even for like birthday parties and stuff like you're still going to celebrate you're still going to be doing a lot of these things it's just kind of transitioning it to make it a little bit more sustainable like I even know with like my my close family members um for like the little kids birthday parties they still bring like plastic cutlery and stuff and I think as we can try to like make some of those movements and transitions we'll be on our way but it's really hard to see that as well too because now these kids are growing up just thinking like it's fine just get plastic throw it out like it's changing that mindset, so I think that's something that we're trying to do, like, and hopefully, like, our generation can kind of instill those habits, but yeah, it's a little bit hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think leading by example is probably, like, because sometimes you're not in a a comfortable enough situation where you want to say something, so in that case, I try to just lead by example, and then if you, but yeah, I mean, if there's an opportunity for education, I also try to take it. It's kind of just what you're comfortable with, and yeah because you because it is hard not to think about that like oh no this 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 kid's growing up thinking this is okay and we're actually trying to get rid of it right now um but that's why i think that like legislation and laws are also a key component of of individual choice and um corporation accountability because like we have a we have a plastic bag ban here do you you guys have that in ontario
2: it's supposed to start in 2021 so like I mean, I don't know what's going to happen now with COVID kind of it, but we're supposed to actually have an entire single-serve plastic ban from the federal government. Um, I I mean, I don't
1: know
2: (laughs) know what the implementation is going to look like, but I know, um, like, I I have like a friend who's actually worked at a law firm and they work with um, a big pizza chain and they've had discussions already about how they have to like, uh, change up all their supplies that they have bringing in for a lot of the, the, the packaging that they use already and like making all like I know organizations are already starting to think about a lot of these alternatives so like I don't know the exact deadline of when it's going to kind of happen but um, I know there's definitely plans for it and it seems like organizations are they have to be proactive like if they get the a deadline they have to make those changes so um, soon but I don't think uh, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't happened just yet.
1: Yeah, like there's an added cost with that that you have to factor into. So especially here with small businesses, so like whenever bans get implemented, that's kind of the biggest thing is, oh, are we going to put any small businesses out of business? But if you're preparing, and I think that and if it's mandated, there's definitely more like, that's why I think it's a key point is because if you're, if you make it a, a law that's in that you give them a year to prepare, then there's an expectation with that.
0: For sure. I guess um, kind of to wrap things up here, you were also just talking about um, how Hawaii has a ban of some sort. How was that kind of like implemented? And do you think that's something that can be replicated easily across not only just other states, but other countries as well?
1: Yeah, um, it had, the bill had died so many times. Like I was there, I, I, I was there testifying like every single time. And because we're trying to also get uh, styrofoam band here but so what happens is is they did it by island so a smaller island Maui did um, a cutlery a cutlery ban, and um, then Oahu uh, is implementing it and I think it's supposed to be in effect by 2021 as well. Um, the plastic bag ban was already in effect before I moved here and then what happened was is companies had found like a loophole like if they make it the plastic a certain thickness it could be considered reusable and so there was still plastic and so now there's a charge so you have to pay for bags um if you use them and they're 15 cents a bag so i think that depending on the 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 priorities of the government in the area that you live in it can be implemented um i don't know if i have like full confidence that um on a on a federal level that it would be implemented, but I, it can be adopted by other countries and, and other countries are doing it like Germany is um, am- amazing with their sustainability priorities and I think that when countries or counties or states look to their neighbors and see how successful it is and see they're not sacrificing economics then um, people will follow suit I just I hope it's in time you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, um, at the recycling plant that we were actually, uh, Lauren was talking about, like, they have some really insane technology that they use for like the sorting. And when we were asking her questions, like, oh, where is this stuff kind of coming from? Is it like American made Canadian anything like that? She's like, no, like, this is literally all coming from Europe and like Germany, Netherlands are like the two main ones. And like, she's it- just like, they're honestly on a full other level that again everyone should aspire to kind of get like but exactly what you said too like it's not impacting their economy or anything like that and it really is a total cultural shift when you're there um i mean i had the, the opportunity to go to europe uh last summer and i got to go to netherland as well and it just it really is a, a total mindset shift where like if you saw someone kind of throwing something or littering i think in other developed nations in the west they would just kind of like it, it's not a big deal whereas there. It's not even that they like shun you, but it's also like you'd get some yeah. weird looks, and it's like, like you're they know you're a tourist, they know you're someone from the US or Canada, like somewhere outside of Europe, and like you that isn't normal at all. Um, so it really is interesting to see like all these like cultural dynamics playing a shift here. And I think, um, I think definitely, yeah, the younger generation is going to be a big key to this. And I think, I mean, we have definitely pushed our parents to make a lot of these types of changes, and I think younger kids too, if you get to them, they'll kind of drive their parents to make a lot of these shifts. So um yeah definitely interesting times we'll we'll see where things kind of proceed but yeah i'm optimistic i think uh, a lot of we have a long road ahead of us but um yeah can yeah,
1: we, we need people like that we need the optimism because it can seem overwhelming but i i totally agree with you like as soon as it becomes like socially unacceptable to not care about the environment and every and there's a huge culture shift it just being a priority then it'll just i think it'll be a snowball effect and it'll be we'll see a lot of changes in a short period of time and i think we're almost there especially with i mean TikTok's just one way that shows that we're almost there
2: awesome i really appreciate your time having you here on the podcast super insightful um you guys are
1: awesome thank you so much for having me (laughs) i can't believe we're all ecuadorian still
0: (laughs) thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast If you would like to learn more, visit us at www.last20.ca. Until next time, stay sustainable.